My name is Colin Frew, and you are listening to the Source Code Coffee Podcast. This week, we caught up with our friend Jola from 88 Grains. They're an importer based out of Guatemala, importing coffee from all over Central and South America. So sit back and enjoy the story of how Jola got into specialty coffee. Yola, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, I would love to hear, just getting started, a little bit about your story. Uh, what I, I understand that you are from Poland originally, yes. correct? Yes, and it, that's it correct. It seems like you've sort of been all over the world, and now you're working out of Guatemala. So maybe yes. let us understand how you got there. Yes. How much time do we have for this? However <laughs> much you need. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is a very, very complex story and just very, very long story. If I would have to start from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, but let's just start. Maybe I'll start with the coffee story because, well, that has been the last nine years of my life, I guess. And I just turned two days ago. I just turned forty. So happy uh, birthday! Happy birthday! Much. Yes. So I feel I feel a little bit disturbed by that four zero, but <laughs> but but that's okay. And uh, so I feel like uh, yeah, coffee hasn't been you know in my life for that long, but it has influenced so many changes in my life because it's been only nine years and wow. And yes, I've been traveling a lot with thanks to coffee, I would say. Uh, so I started with coffee in Australia. So I've, I haven't lived in Poland in 20 years and I used to live in Chicago oh. where you guys are. Yeah, so I used to live in Chicago for about 12 years. So it, it's been a big, um, you know, chunk of my life that I was connected to that beautiful city and beautiful people. And um, and after 12 years, I um, found myself in Australia. Uh, don't ask me how I just got there, but let's say <laughs> we're in Australia nine years ago. And nine years ago, pretty much my life happened and I had to, I just had to work to pay for my studies. So I I found myself in a country that coffee is very, very, has very, very different standards. Mm-hmm. And I was quite surprised that, well, coffee is huge in, in Australia and, and the end consumer is, is demanding quality. And, you know, you can get really good coffees even on a, at the gas station. So it's a really nice, um, I mean, it was a really nice scene, I guess, to learn coffee. Um, so I found a, a one-day barista course, um, and the guy that ran the course, he hired me on the spot. So I guess I made an impression. So, Great. and he was, he was those, uh, one of those people that he's, he's a little bit crazy, but in a good way, I guess. And he was probably one of the first in Australia that was doing all the crazy stuff with direct trade and traveling all around the world and bringing coffee from, you know, from Africa, from Central South South America, and he was all doing it by himself. Um, and he sort of he was contagious um, with with the fact that you know, like you can do a lot with coffee. You don't you don't have to limit yourself to just one thing. And when I saw that, and when I got to know coffee, and I got and I got to realize that wow, coffee has so many different layers and so many secrets. Um, I decided, wow, one day I'm going to travel with coffee. And five years later, um, I found myself in Bolivia. <laughs> so so uh, five years in Australia taught me a lot about um, the end consumer, the, well, the consumption of coffee, uh, in particular in Australia, and you know what, what people like, what people think coffee is in the end, and how it's presented on the other side. Um, it was a great experience and I got to work with great people and, you know, with really, um, the best of the best in, in Melbourne. Uh, so I really appreciate that. And, um, the experience is always priceless. Um, and after five years, I, I somehow my life evolved to a point where, a door opened in Bolivia where I got a, an opportunity for um, work for 
management position in um, in Caranavi in in La Paz. Um, and I was um, offered a, a job as a wet nail manager. So that was something that um, well, I never done. Well, I mean, I, I never had experience in in managing a wet nail, but I guess mm -hmm. it was more of management skills that they needed and then, you know, knowing anything about coffee because you could learn um, as you go, I guess. And um and that was also in Spanish, which I didn't didn't quite know Spanish. And so I found <laughs> myself in Bolivia without Spanish uh, and without anybody around me speaking Spanish. So in one month, I learned Spanish and I, you know, figured out how to how to uh, communicate in Spanish on where I could at least manage people and I could get what i wanted um as far as managing a wet mill so it was a, a big big um cultural shock for me i guess uh, to find myself in in south america where that was my first trip to south america and um it was a rough experience i would say and also it it's made me realize how um yeah, how different the reality of coffee production really is comparing to the world of consumption and the countries that consume coffee and how it's presented on the other side. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was quite shocking uh, at, at, at first. Uh, so I spent almost uh, a year in, in Bolivia. I, I did two harvests in Bolivia. One year I did uh, wet mail management and the second year I did quality control. Uh, so I got to meet a lot of great people that um, that also travel to Bolivia every year from Asia, from Europe, from United States. And I got to learn from them as well. And from that experience, I... Um, I, I guess I grew a lot, I think, in coffee. I mean, it made me realize what coffee really is and what potential it has, what, uh, uh, you know, what secrets, what secrets hides behind. Um, and, you know, and some you share, some you don't. <laughs> they're mm -hmm. gonna, they're just gonna stay secrets. Uh, and then that year when I moved to Bolivia, my friend from high school, uh, from Poland, uh, she contacted me and she, um, I haven't been in touch with her for like 16 years before that. And we went to high school together in Poland and she actually was living in Paris. So, I mean, she still lives in Paris and she saw that I was working with coffee and she said, well, I just quit my job that, you know, I was there for eight years and now I decided that I wanted to do something for uh, for myself and I thought about coffee. Uh, so we started chatting and two months later she came to Bolivia. We we wrote down like 20 pages and we figured that we're on the same page as far as values and what we want to share with the world and how we want to do things and what's important for both of us. And it sort of was, we were on the same page. And we figured, okay, let's do it. And that was back in 2017. And in 2000, since since that time, since, since November 2017, we just we just started working on towards uh, the towards the company ADA Grains. Um, so in 2017, um, end of November, we um, we went on a let's say coffee tour around origins in South and Central America. Um, and we went to Peru, Guatemala, Colombia, uh, Brazil, Costa Rica, uh, where else? Um, I think that was it. Uh, and we met a lot of great producers we um that we work with till today which is great this was amazing that we met those people then and we connected on the level that well you know we continue collaborate together um and one of the producers in guatemala offered me a job a job um in processing to help in processing and i said 
well, yeah, maybe I can go back for harvest and see, you know, see how it goes. And in that time, um, I was supposed to live in France, but when I went to Europe after so long of not living in Europe, I just, you know, I couldn't find myself there. I, I felt very disconnected. And it actually happened to me now when I went back to Europe after, you know, after the pandemic lockdown and, and wow, I feel so disconnected. I feel on, that I'm living in a very different life standards and, you know, everything is so, so perfect and neat and, and it's so well organized and here, here it's not, it's not. And I just sort of got used, not got used to it, but I feel like, you know, those countries, they have huge potentials and, and they're limited by, well, by their situations, the individual situations like politics or economy and, and things that are sort of um, not up to us. Uh, so yeah, so then I decided, okay, you know, maybe we can still do the company, but I'll be in, living in origin and you can live in, in France and, you know, and you can um, look after the things from, from Europe and I will be doing the, the same thing from the origin. And it actually made sense because I was sort of hands-on um, with the origin and not, you know, not living in a city, but living on a farm. And that's a different story as well, um, because you get to see coffee as it is, you know, like sort of um, not, nothing is hidden here if you live here all year round. So nothing is for show, everything is real. Uh, so that's, you know, that was another shocking experience to sort of be here every day um, and, and learn coffee from scratch again and from another origin perspective because Bolivia is very different to Guatemala and every other origin is very different so you can't really compare that um, and of course uh, I will not forget to mention Raul which is the love of my life that I that also came to me thanks to coffee um, and and here I am living with Raul on, on his coffee farm. So that you got the coffee from. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> what a story. What I mean, a story. <laughs> and and I, I could tell you were, uh, yeah, you were leaving out a lot of the, the details. And it's yes, still... <laughs> I am. I am because, well, the, you know, the love story is another story. So it would take another that you could know, be a fun an secondary podcast. Oh, yes. love we could do a love podcast, like an yeah. origin love podcast. Oh, I yes. That yeah, would be... that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it would be definitely interesting. So so I think, you know, I mean, definitely living living on farms taught me a lot, a lot uh, more about how to deal with coffee and how to deal with people because I've learned the, the culture a little bit more and I understand it a little bit more or accept it a little bit more maybe I don't agree with it completely because it's a very different type of uh, culture and and you know I because I don't I have lived in so many different countries with, with so much diversity I'm very open to a lot of concepts but um, but here I guess you know you just have to accept things with, for what they are uh, I mean, it's not my place to sort of interfere with the culture and I just accept it and I respect it. So, so that also taught me how to, um, you know, how to work with people, how, um, you know, which, which also, you know, I, I'm not going to be working with all the producers because it's impossible. And also, you know, I, I, I'm so careful. I'm so careful how I start my the relationships, the coffee relationships, and they take a long time for me to develop. I try to work as independent as possible here. Uh, I mean, I've I've learned how to do all the export, and I I didn't know how to do that, and so it was it was a big big um, change for me, or even you know a learning experience. Wow, I'm sending a container, and what do I do now? Like, how do I 
how do I do the papers? Mm-hmm. How do I do the documents? And I, you know, I'm literally every container that I that I load, I load it. I go there and I put stickers on and I make sure that all the coffee bags are in and you know that I make sure that the coffee that we picked is the coffee that is entering the container. So so it's a very like I th- I feel like I'm very sentimental about all the coffees that leave the country and also like now I uh, I just came back from Europe and I see the coffees on the other side you know in the other storage and I'm like wow I put those those coffees in a container now they're here and now they're they're in the roastery and you know they're getting roasted and you also want to meet the people that roast the coffee and how do they present the coffee and you know like what what the values are on the other side of of that particular business that purchase this coffee so it's quite amazing the whole journey is so long it goes through so many hands and and so many people touches the that particular product and it's so fragile as well you know like it it's not like wine you know you can not store this for 10 years and oh yeah let's open this green green coffee and wow yeah it's gonna be so great Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not so it's so risky as well at the same time because we take such a big financial risk and um and you only have a window of opportunity you know a short term window of opportunity to sort of present this coffee as best as you can and then it can all go downhill you know in a split second as as you know as you you know you're a roaster so you you sort of know what what can happen you know yeah we had a Um, coffee we had a container that was coming from Colombia that uh the ship caught on fire uh and the the container wasn't even damaged and it was on a different area and they were able to contain it but it got held up in port for so long that the coffee just faded before it even got off the boat. So sad. Yes, it is sad, you know, and it's a, it's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. And I think, you know, those type of information, they should be shared between, between roasters and the producers, because I think producers should understand that as well, you know, risks that uh, you will take as a roastery or, you know, importer, exporter, especially the coffees that you know we sort of promote the quality of it so so that's that's so important and i feel like there's such a big gap in that you know that's um there is no communication there's bits of bits and pieces of of misleading information that comes in here and you know they will just give them fractions of uh you know they sell espresso for seven euros in in germany Mm-hmm. It's like, so you can make so much money, you know, if you roast your coffee and it's like, well, okay. But I mean, do you consider all the costs that actually this roastery has to take and, you know, all the risks that it, they have to take? Uh, so I think that's, that's a very, very long journey to understand and, you know, for, for producers even understand quality. Because I feel like all the buyers, they come from different parts of the world uh, and quality for, I don't know, let's say Asian, Asian market will be very different to US, to European, to Australian. And, you know, they will throw points. So they will throw points at coffees and that will confuse producers that will not know, you know, what to, they don't have a point of reference. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't even taste their own coffee. So how can they know like, what points are and and how can we explain that and how can we create a point of reference for them you know so so it's it's tricky and you know i'm lucky here that we can i mean i i provide as much support as possible to the producers that want to learn because not everybody wants to learn and that's fine as well and you know here we have i have few producers that want to learn cupping they want to taste their own coffee so they're happy to come and and cup and and learn the whole process uh, and you know i try to make uh, the environment as as least intimidating as possible because they get yeah they get intimidated by that or overwhelmed you know by by the information so so it's a nice experience that some of them they really want to want to learn they want to uh taste they want to get to know 
the other side and they want to have that relationship and understand a little bit better you know the demand as well and what they can do to to make this better for for themselves and for for the other side as well because um you know i i i i tend to see right now that this trend of uh yeah the processed coffee or you know the 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 coffees that are good but they but the prices go down and you know they that's also very disappointing for the producers because in the end okay the volumes of productions are going down so even if the sea market price is going up at the moment their volume is going down so really the sea market is gonna not gonna save them if the volume continues to go down uh, and you know the processed coffee, let's say naturals or honeys, that you know they they can be sold at uh, let's say higher price. It's such a fraction of their production uh, that it also doesn't save them. You know, it's not something that is sustainable. Uh, so I think now the biggest obstacle and uh, the biggest uh, challenge is well, the volumes are going down and significantly. You know, like year to year, you can see that. It's not going up, and um, and you know even with new hybrids and uh, more resistant to diseases and more resistant to climate changes, uh, still not producing full potential. You know, like uh, it's producing a little bit more, but it's not the potential that it's promised to you know, to produce. So we've been studying, you know, asking questions, why, you know, like what's happening? Why, why is it, um, why is it all over that, you know, everything is, is really, really going down as far as produ production volumes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and we, we sort of started researching here, um, you know, like, and, and observing the, the farm, the climate, the diseases, and also the fact that everything has been done for years and years with fertilizers, you know, like chemicals have been applied for years. And now I think we see consequences on that. So I think that maybe now you look at the soil itself and the microbiology is just not balanced at all. Like there is no life, right, you know. The soil is like, just completely shocked and it's and just dead. deprived mm -hmm. yeah so i think um you know like the soil is not is not the correct soil for for the um, agricultural product that they are trying to grow um so yeah so we've been doing more and more research and now we're we're trying to sort of get into more regenerative farming concepts uh i won't say organic or biodynamic it's more to regenerate regenerate uh, the soil itself mm -hmm. because we notice that there is no life in the soil and if you don't have life like how can we create life um you know and and coffee is it's something that is alive so you have to have proper conditions to to sort of make it work uh so yeah we've noticed that you know, maybe the humans have been just taking and taking and taking and taking mm -hmm. and, and demanding from the soil and not giving back a little, you know, like there, would, there could be more consideration for the soil. So, so I think that's, um, you know, like that's something I've noticed, you know, by traveling to different regions, um, different origins, you know, like it's, it's a same problem that people have been having, you know, like maybe the fertilizers at this point are like a short-term solution but they're not I don't think there are long-term solutions for you know for volume for producing volume and I see that this is the most um yeah the most crucial thing in in producers surviving uh to actually produce volume you know to have coffee to sell uh no matter what the price is like if you don't have volume you will just not have not have anything so so yeah so this is uh, becoming a, a an issue and i think uh here in guatemala and i've noticed that since i've got here that uh there's so many people uh live leaving for us um and they're they're usually men that are leaving and they're um 
it becomes a problem because there are no people that want to work in coffee anymore. Uh, so they and here they rely on on um, on people because everything is done uh, manually and there is no you know infrastructure that would allow you to sort of mechanize everything like in Brazil. Uh, everything is so hard to combine. Everything is so hard to reach because of the um, altitudes and the you know mountains. And sometimes you don't even have a road to get. Um, you just have to walk. Uh, so, so I think that's becoming a huge issue. That there there are big farms that are lacking hands to work, and. So people leave for U.S. and they sort of send money to the families. So the families don't want work, don't want to work anymore as well because, well, they don't have to, I guess, uh, yeah. because they're getting, they're you know they're surviving. So that's they're they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I and I noticed that even this year here and where we live in in Socorro, we we've noticed that a lot of people left for U.S. and that worries everyone. Everyone because I'm sorry because I have to let my dog out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He's scratching the door. You have oh. to cut it out. <laughs> no, we're keep, we're keeping that one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, Arturo, you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll be outside now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I think this is a, a a big concern that people that producers have that they really don't have people to even to finish harvest. Uh, you know, they don't have pickers. Uh, I think the fact that, for example, a lot of farms they don't have electricity. There's no Wi-Fi access. So young generations they they don't want to do that. They don't want to go to a place where for three months they won't be able to be online and it's sort of normal i mean it's a you know they um you know they they go through the same process that young generations go through like technology you know they want to be they're they're sort of in their on their phones all the time and Mm -hmm. and they don't want to be disconnected now so so it's a it's a big big uh not an attractive lifestyle to many people no. in the area. No, it's not anymore. So, although I mean, it's a you know, it's a nice, it's nice surroundings, it's nature. But yes, I guess um, you know, new generations they want something, something more. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to do, they want to have a lifestyle of, especially here in Guatemala. I think U.S. like they're under influence of U.S. and the lifestyle, you know, of the american american dreams so i mm-hmm. think they yeah they're very um yeah they're very under yeah, they're under that influence of 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 sort of living that life uh and not sacrificing their you know three months of life and of not being able to uh to be connected or to be with friends or uh in the city on the on the topic of regenerative farming Mm-hmm. Are there are there certain areas that you're seeing uh, a higher concentration of people practicing that type of farming or working towards that? And not yet, but let's hope we can change that because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think people uh, have been just asking, you know, questions like I've been doing same thing over and over and it doesn't work, uh, you know, and, and that's something that we finally said okay if it doesn't work we just have to look um a different direction you know like where there is something that we have or producers have been doing for maybe for for so many years that you know now we're we're um we're feeling the consequences of it and and i feel like it's it's that that it's the the unbalanced uh soil the lack of life in the soil you know that is um we're just not dealing with it properly and and hopefully people will start looking into that a little bit more because um because we've started doing some tests and it started to work so i think it's a it's also something that completely changes a mindset so somebody has to be actually open to that and I would say not not all the producers will be open to to 
changing their mindset of you know how they are managing their farms how they're doing processes and everything uh, because it's a very traditional um, type of thing that they do here uh, coffee is very traditional here it's from generation to generation so if my father was doing that if my if my grandfather was doing that I'll, I'll be doing that um, and then anything new is sort of you know it, you it, they're resistant to it you know so it's it's very tricky to sort of um, to have a large group uh, just changing like that, you know, if, if they haven't seen the results and, and hopefully, you know, we can do enough um, research and tests that can convince some of the, at least local uh, producers to, to join in or to at least try with some lots of coffee. They don't have to try with the whole farm because I, I guess it's always a risk as well. Mm. And we've been trying only with, with certain parts of the farm. So, so it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been whole, whole farm, but uh, we would love to, you know, I mean, let's say we, be, we believe in it and we, we have been seen, seeing results and, you know, we hope to, to sort of um, spread the world, word and, and make it a, uh, a trend. Right. We yeah, hope. It's, it's definitely yeah. something that I uh, very much believe in and want to support. We, we work with a farmer in Costa Rica that is uh, very much pursuing that style of agriculture. And yeah, it's hard. You, there's not a, you can't really call it fully biodynamic is not the right word. I think yeah, regenerative is nice. I like thinking about it like a, a closed loop. Like at this point, yeah. he doesn't have any inputs, everything that his farm needs, he's able to produce exactly farm. um yes and it's, yeah, yeah it's kind of that on the long term you have to figure out you might see a slightly lower yields but more consistent yields and mm -hmm. uh, and maybe less uh you know like you can see your plants being stronger and going through changes um better so they're mm -hmm. not as affected and uh and he you know now the the changes in climate what we've noticed that they speed up everything they speed up all the processes. So no matter if it's ripening, okay, it will speed up the ripening, but if there is a disease, it will speed up the spreading the disease. So because of the changes in the rainfall, in the temperatures, you know, extremes, extremes, because you get uh, years that is very, very dry. And then you get years that are, that it is very, very wet. So, you know, we can put a coat on and, you know, we can take an umbrella and we're okay, but plants are sort of confused. And if they're not properly prepared from the get-go, you know, and if they don't have the strength, they will not be able to protect themselves. So I think it's, uh, it's super important to sort of create that, that balanced environment, uh, correct environment for this particular product, which is coffee. Um, that it will grow in its natural um, environment. And again, I won't call organic or biodynamic because I sort of don't want to put uh, that name on it, but I feel like regenerative is a, is a, nice, is a nice name. Mm -hmm. Very much yeah. so. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you might be able to uh, talk to us a little bit about the coffee that we will be roasting very soon here at Metric, the the H1 variety from Eliano. Uh-huh, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to just, yeah, while we have you, hear some of, uh, some more info on it. Yes, so, um, so it's a hybrid. So again, again, it's a hybrid, but it's also a hybrid that should be producing a lot more, you know, and now, um, El Llano and La Soledad, they've been having uh, uh, this variety for the last eight years because it was part of the World Coffee Research Program. Mm -hmm. So they were probably like one of the first to have this variety in Guatemala. And it was supposed to be leaf rust resistant and it was supposed to, you know, produce a lot, a lot. And now after eight years, we're seeing leaf rust, you know, so we think, oh, well, so now what so I guess mm -hmm. you know something's up something's up it's not the variety it's actually something more than the variety um, but we've noticed that uh, the first few years uh, the variety was very 
unstable like you can and we can notice that with lots of different um hybrids like anna anna cafe 14 and yeah h1 was was like that but now after five years it's sort of stabilizes and it's really good i mean i hope you like it and i hope you i don't know if mm -hmm. you yeah you roasted it so so it's very stable it's it's easier to roast because i remember like two years ago we had problem roasting it uh it wasn't very consistent sorry it's a truck and my dog disappeared uh -oh. so well anyway yeah. uh, he will come back and yeah. um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah so the so that we've noticed that the the variety changes as well on the altitude so it's got uh like an optimal altitude uh where it's where it's tasting good, I don't know. And it's also like every farm here in Guatemala has a different microclimate. I mean, it's insane that in El Llano you will get one microclimate, uh, in La Soledad, in the whole farm, you get so many microclimates or nanoclimates that, you know, every altitude level will have a different, uh, different temperature, different humidity. Uh, and in some levels of the farm, it, it uh, grows very well and then in some you can see that it's struggling uh, so here it's in El Llano it's at 1500 meters and it's uh, it's been yeah it's been in its good I mean the conditions for it that are, are very good but again it's not we've noticed that it's not reaching its full full potential of production of the volume I mean it really produces a good final cup of coffee mm -hmm. but we're trying to figure out how to increase volumes and meet the you know the full potential because it's still i feel like it's at, maybe at 60 percent of its capacity to to grow more um and to produce more uh, so i think uh what else can i say i can sell, tell you that uh, we've tried different processes on it um uh, it's I don't know if in the States you, you're into naturals or not so much. I, I don't really know how the States are right now, like as far as processing. Oh, the, the States, uh, in, I think I would speak overall for the industry as being very interested in, in naturals and all the different uh, anaerobic, the, the process heavy stuff is very popular here. Yeah. Okay. So like everywhere in the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll remember that for you guys for next year. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> or you? Yeah, we. You're uh, not into it. Well, we, we have we've actually bought quite a bit of coffee this year. That's yeah, uh, especially naturals. But okay, um, we have yeah, we've got a anaerobic washed Ethiopian. We've got some Mexican coffees that are we got a carbonic natural, just interesting oh. stuff. Um, and yeah, we I think Xavier and I have. Uh, our preferences, but I think mm -hmm. our process has been seeing how much the consumer enjoys it and separating our personal right. preference from what the consumer enjoys. So yes. um, if, if they're happy and they pay the prices that are yeah, asked, I, I understand. it's what we do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think here, I mean, so coffee from El Llano is always processed at La Soledad because El Llano doesn't have a wet mill. So over there, we try to, or Raul tries to stick to washed coffee because the microclimate is a bit tricky even during the harvest. Uh, it's very humid, which doesn't help to dry coffees like naturals or honeys. Uh, I mean, th there is a risk that something may go wrong. Uh, so we try to sort of keep it, or they try to keep it, um, you know, um, on the on the level of good washed, and they have their all their proper procedures. I wish that Raúl was here so he can. Well, if you want, we can also like do part partial part part of the post podcast with him so he can tell you more about the H1. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so because that would be. Actually, that would be good because, you know, like he, he's the one, he's the face behind it. I don't want to take it from him, you know. <laughs> I just live here. 
yeah and and actually yeah i mean it, you know i work with raul and you know i work with la uh, soledad and el llano and we we purchased the coffee we we presented as best as possible but uh they're one of those producers that they don't need support like from me as far as i know i mean i'm i do quality control with raul and uh, as a company you know like we wake up together we have thoughts about the coffees and and we think together but of course decisions are theirs and you know it's it's their farms and and i i don't say anything about it and that's fine uh, you know, there's other producers that need a lot more support and a, a lot more help from from someone like me or, you know, like I, I try to give them the support that they actually need. So if somebody needs it in processes, I help with processes. So we have uh, some surrounding farms that we I've done a lot of processing last year. Uh, and this year, I think I'll do a little bit more because, yeah, for example, in the cases of those producers, they, they actually need it. So, so I think, um, yeah, maybe for the coffee, I, I will ask Raul to to connect and mm-hmm. and he can talk about it. I, I'd love to hear more about 88 grains and sort of like the, the goal for the next, you know, year, three years, five years, uh, uh-huh. sort of your, your ambitions for your company. And, uh, <laughs> and also, I'd love to talk a little bit about... Um, our new relationship. So we're, I believe we are your first customer in the United States. Yes, that's exciting. Uh, Actually, I feel like for us, like US is such a, such a big potential market, you know, like it's, there are so many things going on and I wish I could come and visit because it's been years that I haven't been. Um, And I hope to do that soon. Um, But yeah, you're the first ones and, and I'm very excited about it because it's Chicago. And like it's I Chicago, said, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I live there and I know Chicago and, and I love Chicago. And I'm so excited that the coffee got um, to your roastery. But I think, you know, as far as our company, like we don't limit ourselves. We're very open to other origins. Like this year, we, uh, we have uh, sourced more coffee from Costa Rica, from from Honduras, from uh, again hopefully from Bolivia will be coming soon, uh, Brazil, um, and you know we're we always search for new origins and new producers, new opportunities. We never say no. You know we always even you know sometimes we have bad experiences and that happens in life and. But, you know, we always try, we always try to, um, to expand, to develop, to, to learn from our experiences. Uh, so I think, you know, like we, we have a goal to reach more origins and um, learn about more origins and learn about more coffees and in other origins and also source more coffees. Uh, from other origins, like, uh, you know, from Africa, we would love to go into Africa and it's so complicated over there, but I, I don't think it's going to stop us to sort of make, make uh, steps t- towards that. Um, and I think it will, it takes time for us, but we don't, we don't mind that because uh, we like to do everything right and we we like to you know test the waters um and see if it's gonna work uh you know we don't like to have one-time relationships because it does it's not our goal so we would like to have long-term relationships and with the understanding for both sides of the chain you know like for the roasters which yeah i understand that there are some things we we need to consider for the roasters and also for the producers so i think it will be it would be great to expand definitely us and you know create more uh relationships uh direct relationships that you know that will have the possibility to meet the producer to uh to visit the farm to get to know the the reality of the production um and you know to to have the freedom of of doing that and not just um not just sort of uh, buy and sell so we we always try to 
make it more than that and, and communicate a little bit more than that. And also things that we uh, provide about the farms, which I, I don't know if I've given you the link to that, but I will have to send you a link to the drive with photos and videos. And, you know, yeah. I, do, I do updates of uh, because I understand that not all the roasters are able to travel uh, to their origin. And every year I, tr I try to travel to all the farms and do updates on, on the farms, on what's happening at the farm, uh, you know, all the visuals. Uh, so the roast, so the roaster can have the opportunity to actually share the information. I mean, in the end, it's, it's their, it's their choice and their decision, but at least they have, that opportunity given you know so so i think that's it goes both ways like i think it's very important for the roaster to know that um that they can freely share that information and and they can promote the producer himself and also that the producer can stay in touch with the roaster and and ask questions you know if he has questions so so yeah, for us, I think it will be developing more, like not losing that, you know, because I know that uh, getting into more origins, you can lose that human factor and we really don't want that. So we really are trying to work with really good people and with uh, rather small cooperatives, if they're cooperatives, like for example, in Brazil, we work with a small cooperative, Sun, Sun Coffee, that is only 20 producers. So everything is very traceable. So we really, we really uh, adamant on, on sort of keeping that always with us, you know, and having that opportunity to introduce the, the producer from whichever origin. Well, we definitely hope to, uh, I'd, I'd love to come see, uh, what y'all are doing in Guatemala. We're, 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 we're very much interested in all the work that you're doing there. And then, uh, excited mm -hmm. to see how you expand and, uh, and very happy to be, uh, part of your entry into the U S. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. You're always welcome. You know, that Xavier and Colin, you're always welcome. Yeah. I told you that already mm -hmm. so many times and you're, you're welcome to stay with us. You know, you're welcome to, to get to know the origin from, you know, from the perspective of living in on a coffee farm. So, so not no Antigua Xavier. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> just staying in, in the coffee farm all the yeah. time. Uh, and that's, that's very, you know, I think that's very important, you know, to have that, um, yeah, to have that idea of what it is to actually live on the farm. Uh, so, so, yeah, you're always very welcome to come and visit and to get to know producers and get to know us, you know, what we do. Uh, and I can't wait to visit you guys because uh, it will be great to see on the other side, you know, how you how you present the coffee in the end. Absolutely, yeah. Our doors are always open to you whenever uh, whenever I the time you. feels right for it to to resume. Yes, you know, we're, thank we're being you. We're a, a bit slow on our uh, return to travels. We've we both done a bit. Yeah. I was in Peru. Xavier was in Colombia a little earlier in the summer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know it's been it's been slow on travels, and I think I'm still as a European, I'm not allowed to to enter US, mm. which is very sad. So, so I think hopefully that will change soon, and I'll be able to travel. And we have plans to go to US uh, in May. Okay, so nice. hopefully, will you yeah. be out coming to Chicago as well? You think? Yes. Oh, awesome. I think it'll be Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh, yes, for sure. So, so I'm I'm excited for that. But hopefully, you can visit earlier than that. No. Yeah. No, we'd love to. Yeah. And I, I think the only request Colin has, he'd like to stay with Arturo. So he wherever <laughs> wherever Arturo sleeps, that's where he would like to stay. So, ah, sure. Yeah, that's it. Oh, he sits yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Perfect. need much. Perfect. That's it. <laughs> Done. Done yes, deal. Yeah, great. Yeah, and uh, and we definitely, bags. yeah, we definitely love to talk to Raúl. Uh, yeah. Like meeting meeting Raúl. That, that was. The, I mean, I've 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 known of him because of La Soledad. I used to work at Intelligencia. I've roasted his coffees for many years. It was such mm -hmm. a pleasure meeting you, like in in Antigua when we were just on our way out. And uh, you, you know part of why I wanted to talk to you on the podcast and just really you know, form a, a, a new bond with a new relationship at Origin with uh, somebody that's focused on quality and really cares about 
the people and and the process is that you know you you really you're you're so uh, um, I guess you're you're very electric you know like you're very like like everything you 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 talk about are things that are just so like wow like I, I was I felt really energized I felt really like you know I could really learn from you and. Um, you know, when it came to time to us receiving samples and approving the one lot that we did, it felt like it feels like we're taking the right steps towards building a really uh, beautiful working relationship. And then beyond that, like having uh, Raul in the mix, he's just such a like character. He's an amazing <laughs> human being. Like, I think he throughout the course of the night. Uh, as much as we were all enjoying the drink, uh, he he <laughs> laughed, he cried. He, I think he oh, sang yeah. a song. He might have sang a couple of songs. He, we were he just, cried. Cried he for cried sure. Yeah, for and sure. It, but it's <laughs> yeah. so like his heart is like so big, and he yeah. really cares deeply. And I really, I will say that as little as I know him, I, I love him for that. So I really appreciate. For the record, the I heard you, that you yeah. were also crying, Xavier. I was just, also crying just, uh... because he cried and he made me cry. <laughs> yeah. So we were, yes. It was, but yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate the work you guys do. And so we're really excited to, uh, yeah, we're excited to come uh, back and visit for sure. Well, thank you for yeah. thank you so much for your kind words. I really yeah. appreciate it. So, and I hope so too that we're gonna continue, you know, collaborating together and, uh, you know everything is about good communication and i think yeah we're we're on the right path yeah Agreed. so i'm excited i'm excited for the new lot and i'm hoping to at least receive photos oh yes, yes i think we can get yeah. you some photos maybe a, yes. a couple bags as well oh yeah <laughs> that's exciting yeah thank you for that so we're, we're, we're even going to remix the arturo call and just turn that into uh, a song arturo. yeah so we're going to send that to you with yes. all the photos so great excellent yeah that sounds great yeah but i think like it would be a good idea to sort of talk to raul about the actual coffee because i don't want to say anything that is incorrect and he'll have much more information than than me because I, like i said like uh, in this particular farm, he's the one that, um, you know, he's in charge and he should be like, I should leave that part to him. So appreciate that. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And he will definitely be happy to chat about it and maybe he'll cry. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Yola, how can, uh, if, if people have any questions for you or if they'd like to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Probably through Instagram. So at 88 Grains, uh, it's the best way to contact us. Uh, and it's the easiest way. And we always respond to those messages. Uh, so I think, yeah, Facebook a little bit less, but I think Instagram would be the best way. All right. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank I'm sure you. we'll be in touch soon about next harvest. Yes. Thank you so much. It was thank so you. nice to to meet you, Colin, and mm -hmm. to see you, Xavier, again. Yes. And uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Yes. We'll All be right. in touch soon. Yep. See ya. Okay. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye.